Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Today, we're going to be talking to Kyle McKenzie. Kyle is a CPA. He is the CFO and partner of the crypto division at Metrics Chartered Professional Accounting. Kyle, thanks for being here today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about Metrics? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, so yeah, Metrics is a Canadian uh, CPA firm. Uh, we do general corporate, individual uh, taxes for businesses. Um, we have a focus specifically as of the last five or six years um, in cryptocurrency. And so we are what we consider is the leading cryptocurrency taxation firm uh, in Canada. Um, it's a big part of our business. We spend a lot of time making sure that we uh, understand all of the Canadian tax rules and uh, especially for uh, the very limited guidance that the CRA has chosen to provide lately. Um, so uh, we've got uh, about 15, 16 staff at the moment and we're continuously growing, uh, trying to make more capacity for uh, bringing on more clients. We can help more people across Canada. You know, it's funny, I mentioned this before we started recording that I've probably done 30 episodes about U.S. crypto taxation, and this is maybe our first primary episode about Canadian crypto taxation, so it's going to be tough to squeeze everything in here, but, you know, and I, I mentioned maybe we'll do another episode at some point in the future, that'd be great if you'd come back, but in the meantime, I'm going to just kind of ask you some of the common questions that maybe people in Canada have about crypto taxation. Um, it sounds like Canada and the CRA is just like the US and the IRS in that there's not a lot of specificity in the, the rules and there's there's maybe some clarity that needs to be uh, given. So hopefully you can provide some of that clarity to some of our listeners. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, we're, we're dealing with what the CRA has given us. Um, there's very limited guidance. You know, for example, they just state that cryptocurrency is a barter transaction, meaning the value of what you sell is the value of what you've purchased. Uh, so it becomes really difficult, especially when you're doing, you know, crypto to crypto trades, which a lot of people don't uh, understand when they first start that every single transaction is a taxable transaction. So it gets really complicated really quickly uh, and being able to navigate those rules and, and the information that the CRA has provided takes a takes a lot and so uh, we're happy to help anyone who who requires help with their cryptocurrency taxes because doing it on your own is has become quite a beast can you explain maybe the the top three or four things that you think are uh, integral for people to know about how crypto is taxed in canada sure yeah i mean there's a there's a couple of overarching things that, that people really need to know. One of those things is superficial losses and how those are dealt with. Uh, the other thing is business versus capital treatment. So, you know, there's there's uh, multiple different ways of, of being taxed on crypto and it really depends on a, on a number of factors and we can dig into that in a, in a little bit. Um, and as far as other things to know, yeah, it's, it's just that every single transaction can be taxable. Um, there are certain instances where certain transactions are not taxable and so what we consider those are kind of like little loopholes that you know you kind of get from being a client of metrics and we can kind of go into uh, what some of those examples are so just like in the states you know when you buy crypto with a fiat currency like if i bought some bitcoin with with usd that in itself is not a taxable event Correct. i assume it's the same in canada right it is. Yeah. So you can buy any crypto with Canadian dollars, with US dollars, with uh, Chinese yuan, whatever you want within Canada, uh, not taxable. Um, it's it's only taxable when it goes from crypto to Canadian dollars or from crypto to other crypto. Gotcha. Perfect. And you mentioned uh, superficial losses. We don't have those here. So can you describe what superficial losses are? 
I think you kind of have a similar thing in, in wash sales. And I think that's what you guys call it. And so we do get this a lot where people are doing research online and everything seems to be tailored to the US uh, crypto investor. And so mm -hmm. we get a lot of questions about wash and it's sort of a similar thing you know i don't know the specific ins and outs of how the us does it but a superficial loss in canada is where um let's say that i bought uh, one btc for fifty thousand dollars and then i see btc go down to thirty thousand dollars and i decide to sell it well right there i have a loss of twenty thousand dollars but in order to recognize that loss i have to wait 31 days to be able to claim that loss otherwise that loss gets invalidated and just gets added back to my cost basis so i don't get to claim it so if you're buying and selling and you're like oh i want to recognize these losses well make sure that you don't repurchase that same asset within 31 days or else what you've just done is pointless on bitcoin.tax we do have the ability to enable superficial losses on the calculate tab it's not checked by default, but people have the option to enable superficial losses. So the calculation will account for those and, and factor those in and, and handle those properly. So it, it sounds like you're saying superficial losses, people should be checking that superficial lot loss box, maybe. Uh, yes and no. Um, there are treatments, and this is one of the other things that people kind of need to know, is that in Canada, the CRA can deem you to be no longer a capital gains type investor. And so let's say that I was to buy and sell some crypto, like you know, I had 10, 12, 15 transactions, 100%, not a problem, capital gains, yes, you should be checking that superficial losses box. If I, you know, went in and did 3,000 transactions where I bought and sold, bought and sold, bought and sold, I did some leverage, I did some trading, I did a whole bunch of DeFi, I did whatever else, and I spent four to six hours a day for months, well, the CRA is not going to look at you as a capital gains investor. That's not the definition of a capital gain for the CRA. You're approaching it with an intention of profit. You're going to be deemed as business income. And so what that means is that superficial losses would not apply in that instance. So you kind of really need to know what your position is from a tax perspective in order to know whether or not those superficial losses apply. And how does somebody find out that the CRA considers them business versus non-business uh ask an accountant <laughs> it's, <laughs> okay. it's one of those things that you know there's like a six-part criteria to determine whether or not uh you are a business investor or a capital gains investor and um, there's something that's called an adventure or concern in the nature of trade that apply that can apply in certain instances in which case you know that superficial loss may still apply it's I mean, beyond complicated in terms of determining whether or not or where your position is uh, in the eyes of the CRA. And this is the most contested thing that we see from the CRA is, you know, the only audits that have ever come through are clients who have come to us and they filed as capital gains. And then the CRA comes and, and smacks them with an audit, requests all of their information and their details. And uh, the reason for the audit is because they believe that that person should not have been filing as capital gains, but instead as business income. And the big difference with that is, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's 50, if you're, if you're not business, it's 50% of your capital gains are taxable. If you are business, it's what, 100%? Uh, yeah. So with capital gains, um, it's calculated as, let's say that I had $100,000 in total capital gains. My profit is $100,000. Uh, I was very clearly considered capital gains. Only half of that is added to your income. So then you're taxed on half of that total capital gain. Uh, whereas if your business income, that entire $100,000 profit is added to your income and you're taxed at your uh, graduated tax rate on that, um, on that full amount. You know, and that's so interesting because the activity that you're describing, like trading on leverage and just trading super frequently, that to me seems so common with a lot of the people I see and a lot of customers I deal with. That seems like such 
common trading that it sounds like a lot of people are going to be considered a business. And I could be wrong, but just based off of what you're saying, it sounds like a lot of people could be considered a business by the CRA unless the CRA decides to uh, revamp how they consider somebody a, a business or not. But am I wrong that that's that's 100% true. I mean, we get, you know, I would say probably 40-50% of the clients that we end up get coming through the door think that they're going to be capital gains and then they end up having so much activity and with uh, an intent that is very clearly to profit that they end up being deemed as business income. And so that's a really unexpected thing for a lot of people is that thinking that they're only going to be taxed on half of what they have profited. Well, no, you actually have to pay tax on uh, the whole amount. Yeah, that's a that's a rude awakening for sure. So it is. And, and exchanges make it so easy to do that kind of activity too. So some people, I'm sure they just don't understand that the, what they're getting themselves into by doing it. So there really needs to be that education component, which is hopefully what this podcast is uh, helping people understand kind of what they're getting into. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, they, they very much, the exchanges and stuff very much do encourage it. You know, you got Binance with their trading competitions and those who, you know, whoever can trade the most volume in a one week period, well, people can get into that sort of thing and not realize that what they've just done is then created or swapped themselves over to that business income consideration. Yeah. And, and I mean, like leverage trading is, is the hot thing I feel like on every uh, yeah. platform, you know? Yeah. If you're borrowing money to trade, I mean, that's that's not a, a typical standard thing that a, a capital gains investor who's just kind of investing for their future does. That's someone who's like looking to multiply their their profits. And so that's looked at from the CRA's perspective as, as something that could be an adventure in the nature of, of trade. Okay. And so in the US, the law behind crypto taxation, the rules behind crypto taxation haven't been super clear. And it's been, you know, every few years, we'll get a little bit of guidance that sometimes makes things more confusing than, you know, helpful. Is it similar in Canada with the CRA? Is it, are they on top of it or not really? Uh, it's, it's very similar. I mean, you know, they, they <clears throat> I think they've put out uh, one or two bulletins and then there's like one page that kind of shows you may be this you may be that uh, but there's no clear specific guidance stating that in this situation you are this in this situation you are this or this is specifically how it's supposed to be treated like for example there is zero guidance on staking and how the income from that is supposed to be treated and so what we've had to do is uh, apply traditional finance regulations and rules um, for taxation to crypto, which, you know, as we all know, is very different from whatever else you might be investing in. It's just a, a whole different league. And so, yeah, the, the information available out there is just terrible. Well, so that's actually a question that's very common in the States about staking. So let's maybe answer that question here for our listeners. Uh, staking, when you receive it in the States, generally people would agree that you receive it. If you are able to access it, it's considered income at the time that you are able to access it. Is it similar in Canada that it's considered income? Yeah, that's almost exactly how we treat it. You know, it, it, it's pretty difficult to say, you know, whether or not you can access it in a way, you know, if you have the ability to control it when mm -hmm. you can, when you can withdraw or deposit. On the other hand, you have some other tokens where, you know, you have a choice to lock it up for a year or two years. Well, I mean, realistically, if you're seeing those amounts go into a specific wallet or account or whatever, that can still be taxable. It's just, there's no real specific guidance. So yes, it's almost exactly the same where we treat it is if you have access to the funds, like for example, Polkadot, where, um, you know, it's locked, you have to cool it down for 30 days to be able to withdraw it from a, the, the Polkadot wallet. Um, but you're still earning that income into your specific wallet. And so 
whether or not you can access it at that specific moment, not you know necessarily important, but if you have funds that are coming in uh, in a transactional way, then yes, it is income. Okay, and this, this makes me think of another question that I'm sure some listeners probably do have. Uh, and again, apologies for comparing to the States so often, but that's just what I'm used to talking about. And that's the bulk of my knowledge. But in the States, when somebody's a miner, when they're mining crypto, they often ask us, oh, can I deduct my rigs that I have for mining? Am I able to deduct that? And the answer generally is that unless you're classified as a business in the States, you can't really deduct that kind of stuff, especially from your capital gains. It doesn't really play a role in your capital gains calculations. But in Canada, you're saying it's a lot easier to be classified as a business. So if somebody's mining, are they able to at least uh, deduct some of that mining rig stuff. And I know, I know it's probably better to talk to a tax professional, but could you give some um, clarity on that? Yeah. I mean, of course, always consult with, with an accountant on, on stuff like this, unless your case is very simple, you know, but there, there's a common misperception because the CRA has released this document stating for, for mining guidance that you may be considered a hobby miner. And so what we get is, you know, a fair number of people uh, we talk to saying like, oh yeah, I'm mining as a hobby, but they have six graphics cards and, you know, a whole half garage of, <laughs> of, of, of mining rigs and then a bunch of fans and et cetera, and their power bills are through the roof, but they consider it a hobby. Well, that's not a hobby. You, you know, you're undertaking that for profit. But yes, if you are, you know, you are approaching it from a business-like perspective where you've got a bunch of miners um, going on, you can 100% deduct those. Um, and so you can't deduct them at 100%. It actually comes out to 55% per year for the capital cost allowance class that uh, mining computers would be in. So yes, in Canada, uh, if you are running a, an actual like a mining setup, you've got one or two miners and you're running it in a business-like perspective, um, you can absolutely deduct your equipment. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, I would 100% suggest going to Kyle first and talking to him <laughs> before you start making these decisions, because that's going to help you in the long run to probably save some money and to make sure you're making the right decisions, because it does sound pretty complex. The next thing I wanted to ask is in the States, cryptocurrency exchanges are reporting to the IRS more commonly now than in the past few years, but big exchanges like Coinbase, Binance.com. I mean, I, I pro probably all of the exchanges at this point are reporting things to the IRS. They're sending the IRS information about customers' transactions. And I've read that the exchanges are doing the same thing for the CRA. Is that accurate? Maybe something with $10,000? Yeah. Um, so in Canada, there have been a quite a few exchanges who have uh, had their records subpoenaed by the CRA. Um, uh, I can't name them specifically, but I do know that there was an exchange called Newton um, that did get all of their records, I believe, and I may be wrong on this, so don't quote me specifically, but um, they did request all of the user records from the exchange, and uh, I believe that there is an over $10,000 transaction uh, will be reported to the CRA as well, and so that, I believe, has to do with uh, the finance rules and making sure AML and KYC, like anti-money laundering rules we have in Canada, those same transactions over $10,000 are reported to um, the finance group that's in charge of monitoring anti-money laundering. Right. Um, and yeah, so they, I mean, I think there's an exchange out there that keeps trying to get um, people to verify or claim their account and then you get a bonus, $20 of crypto. And so what that's doing is actually tying you to your uh, crypto 
wallet or account. That's their way of kind of doing KYC and proving that you are who you say you are. And so um, I would obviously never recommend trying to hide anything from the CRA. Like the, we get that question all the time. Should I just lie about it? Absolutely not, because that's how you get in a lot of trouble. And so, yes, they're reporting things to the CRA, but if you are recording and filing your taxes like you should, you've got nothing to worry about. Um, they're not out there to go and you know, screw you out of every dollar. It's just making sure it's fair for all Canadians. So um, I'm not also not advocating. I'm not on the side of the CRA. We're on the side of our clients. Like we just want to make sure that people stay out of trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's such a common uh, sentiment here is that people say, how will the IRS ever know? Um, it's crypto, it's anonymous, which is obviously not true. But, uh, you know, so the reason I bring that up is because I'm sure there are people in Canada that are in crypto that think the same way, like, hey, the government's never going to see me doing this. I'm not going to, they're not going to figure it out. I'm not going to pay taxes. They're in for a rude awakening, essentially, because, you know, these agencies find out eventually, especially if you're doing large transactions, these agencies are, are finding out more and more frequently. There's more money in crypto. You know, it's worth it for them to find out, essentially. A hundred percent. Yeah. And what I always tell, tell people is, you know, they may not specifically have all the tools right now. We don't know what sort of tools the CRA might be using, but I can guarantee you that in five or six years, they're going to have something or some way of going back. And so as a Canadian, what you have to keep is your records for seven years. And so that means that the CRA can go back up to seven years and do an audit. And so, you know, while they might not have the ability or to dig as deep or go into DeFi, whatever right now, uh, with the speed that technology is changing in, in, in the crypto sphere, uh, there's going to be some way for them to figure it out in a few years. And so what you're doing now is just future proofing yourself by reporting things properly and accurately. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, bring up specifically that we haven't touched on? Staking? ETH, the other big ETH, thing we're starting to see is, yeah, is like bridges and NFTs and stuff. A lot of people doing doing that. When you say bridges, like bridging from one chain to another? Yeah, going interchain and interoperability stuff. I mean, I, I am curious about your opinion on that. It's such a hotly contested here because it seems like it, sh like it shouldn't be a taxable event. But from what right. I've heard, it kind of is a taxable event, which is insane, but... Yeah. Well, it's the same thing as like, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Aave and stuff and how they handle things, whereas versus uh, like Maker um, has a protocol called Oasis. And so you can do a CDP, collateralized debt position, where you can deposit funds into a into a contract and then borrow out against them in, in DAI. Uh, those specific transactions, we don't deem as taxable because you're not trading something for another. You're just doing a series of separate transactions. Whereas if you go to take a loan from Aave, you deposit your ETH and you get AETH. Well, that's taxable because you just traded your ETH for a different token. Um, and even though it's like specifically the same asset, it's not the same asset um, according for tax purposes because it's called something different. And so it goes the same thing with a bridge where, you know, I trade ETH uh, over to Avalanche and then I've got ETH.E. Well, you've just traded your ETH for ETH.E. And so that's seen as taxable, which I, I agree is absolutely silly. Um, but in order to protect people, that's kind of how we have to treat things. Great, Kyle. Thanks so much, you know, for providing all this information. Like I said, uh, if there's more that we need to discuss, uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on if, if you'll come back. But um, in the meantime, thanks for running through all this stuff. And I wanted to mention Kyle is one of our full service partners for Canadian crypto taxes. You can go to bitcoin.tax slash full dash service in order to sign up with Kyle and metrics and his firm will be able to help you out. They're great. He obviously knows what he's talking about. If somebody is going to sign up for the full service, what can they expect? 
Yeah, we're happy to help clients out with, with using Bitcoin.tax. It's one of the, the many tools that we use, and we actually really like uh, the, the interface and, and how, it, how it all works. And so um, if you're already using it um, and you just need some, uh, some help or some assistance, we're happy to, to guide you with, uh, with using it. We can, you know, if you have thrown up your hands in exasperation and just, I don't know what I'm doing, um, we're happy just to completely take it over and we can return back to you um, the full set of calculations we can do your entire tax return, whether that's corporate or individual, um, anywhere in between. Um, we're happy to, to assist. If you want to go to our website, our website is getmetrics.ca. So G-E-T-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot C-A. And you can learn more and, and read everything about the firm there. All right. Perfect. Well, Kyle, thanks so much. We really appreciate you being here today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Bitcoin Taxes podcast. You can find out more information about today's guest by going to talk.bitcoin.tax. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could give us a positive review on whichever podcast platform you listen to the episode on. Don't forget, you can go to bitcoin.tax for any of your cryptocurrency tax calculation needs. Have a great day, everybody, and thanks again for listening.